Well, thanks, Steve and Sharon, for uh, putting that song together. Um, yeah, we are very, very blessed to, to have had that. And, and um, that is a beautiful prayer. And uh, thanks, Bron, for just leading us in um, that little, little thought of just lifting our eyes to a, to a different perspective and, and thinking about the big picture of what, um, what God does, which blends in beautifully with Josh's and Sky's message there, that, that picture that God has that, that we don't. I don't know that we um, make a habit of, of uh, saying happen, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. In fact, I'm not even sure of its origins. It might not even be very, very Christian. But I do know this, God loves you. And, um, and, and God has uh, so much affection um, for you. And it's a good reminder um, as we enter into this, this lockdown, um, do not judge God's favour by the circumstances around you. Do not judge God's favour upon you by the circumstances that surround you or that you find your, yourself in. Your Heavenly Father loves you. He loves you much. There are a lot of changes and it's good to just acknowledge um, for different ones of us in, in the church family, it, it affects us in different ways. For, for some, some of you, you busy young mums, this is more work for you. And, um, and, and for some of you, and dads, I should say, I'm, I'm sorry, I know you work hard as well. I, I see it firsthand um, in our, our household. Um, for, for some of you, it means less work. For the next few days, you won't be, be working. And, and with that, for some, it means uncertainty, um, uncertainty about finances, what's going to happen and so forth. Um, um, some, some households were, 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 were caught on the bad part of that cycle Every six weeks, you might buy toilet paper. And we were right at the end of that six weeks. So, um, you know, how to pray for us. Um, for some, it's um, uncertainty. Um, just what, is, what does all of this mean? What's it mean practically um, for, the, for the next few days? And, and what does it mean for 2021? You, you could be forgiven for having hoped that somehow 2021 was going to look a little, little bit different. Well, we have wonderful, wonderful promises. Um, Jesus himself promised us his presence. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. We have the promise, Ephesians 1 and, and 1 Peter tell us of, of a wonderful spiritual inheritance, spiritual blessings even now, today, in this lifetime, and in a wonderful inheritance when we, when we go to be with him um, for eternity. And so we could be forgiven sometimes when our circumstances around us shift. Well, what could possibly go wrong? Maybe you've been a Christian for, for a few months, a few years. Maybe you've been a Christian for a few decades. But there are times where in the Christian life, we find ourselves a little bit disappointed with the journey. It's not exactly shaping up like we thought it might when we first signed on. And if that has occurred to you, welcome. Welcome to the rest of us who have also discovered that, that it's full of surprises. It is an adventure. 
and and sometimes yes it can be it can be um, a very very different kind of a journey to what we might have thought when we first stepped on that bus um bob goff an american author um a, a lawyer and uh and and writer um in one of his books he records a moment where he was up at his um uh, a house on a, on a lake in north america um, just getting away for a bit of a retreat and and um they had this had this habit of having guests write a little message underneath this big old wooden table that they had and he was lying underneath the table just reading the different messages that people had written over the years guests to their little cabin in the woods and um uh, naturally his wife you know um walking by asked him bob what are you doing and he said oh just just reading all the different messages and that sort of thing and she she asked him, what's your favourite one? And he said, you know, I was just thinking that myself. I reckon I found it. Somebody has written just one word, just one word. It's the word with. I think of all the messages here and of all the words that are written here, my favourite is with. Because it's a word which, which talks about relationship, doesn't it? And it talks about togetherness. It's the opposite of being alone. It's the opposite of isolation. With. And that's the promise that, that God gives us. We um, had that theme during Advent, God with us. And, and we, we launched our new theme for the new year of life with God. With. That's an important word. And so we have this, this invitation of life with God, with spiritual blessings, the promise of a wonderful spiritual inheritance. Um, we have the promise that God is with us. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. He is present with us. But why sometimes in the Christian life do we find that the, the journey is interrupted by various, various obstacles along the way and, and we suddenly become aware that we are not as with God perhaps in the journey as we should be what are the barriers what are the things which which keep us from from an intimacy which we know at times in our life we have deeply longed for but somehow that closeness to god that relationship with god it can get a little bit lost in the midst of other things and 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 what we want to press into this year and well particularly over these next few weeks is is life with God. Um, the model that that we want to use is 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 not mine. It's one um, that I that I first saw um, in a book called With, actually, by the author Sky Jathani. I've I've shared it with you before, but it's very very simple, and it's the basis for what we're looking at over the next few weeks. And um, I probably should have a PowerPoint presentation for you, but 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 let me. Hey, if an orangutan can sign, um, my gesture should be able to help you. Picture right in the right in the middle of my my PowerPoint presentation, um, um, a cross representing Christ, and 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 right in the middle there, that pinpoint right there is life with God. Now, picture around the outside a rectangle, a rectangle around that, um, maybe like a barrier, the most you know the the barrier which prevents us from sharing life with God. 
on the top of that rectangle is, is a deviation of life with God called life over God. At the bottom of the rectangle is another deviation of life with God called life under God, not surprisingly. Over here, um, on the left or the right, depends what your screen is doing, it doesn't really matter too much, is another, yet a third deviation of life with God called life from God. And then over here is the last or fourth deviation, and that is called life for God. And we're going to, over the next four weeks, we're going to explore each of those deviations. So I guess this morning, just a, it's just a little bit setting the framework for that. I'm going to really quickly talk about each of those four deviations and why, why would we settle for less? Why sometimes... Do we find ourselves settling for life over God, under God, from God or for God? Why do we sometimes settle for that instead of pressing past the barriers and pushing in to the center to enjoy life with God? Um, well, firstly, life over God. What is it? The, the word here is control. Life over God is when we choose to try to control life instead of God. Now, um, that could be, um, for, for non-Christians, that would be your atheist. It would be anyone who places themselves above the notion of God or even dismisses God outright and says there is no God. The fool in his heart says that. But in Christian Christianity, we also have a form of this too. Classically, it's, it's called deism um, and some forms of very liberal theology look a bit like that. They look a bit deistic, but it's basically um, treating, uh, treating the Christian life as if God has given us a set of natural laws, immutable, unchanging set of principles. And uh, basically, hey, he's given us everything we know or everything, sorry, we need for life and godliness. That's actually scriptural. He's given us that. Then he's pretty much walked away, left us with the book and said, there it is. Everything you need right there. You can, by following these principles, take control of your life. And so we have six steps for 14 principles for, you know, 913, you know, irrefutable laws for this or that and whatever. And we love reducing Christianity to a set of laws or principles which we just follow. No relationship needed. No spirit of God in our hearts guiding us and leading us and helping us to keep in step with him. No relationship, no intimacy, just a set of laws that we can follow and take control of our lives. The, 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 the image, I'm going to give you an image for each of these. The image here is of a captain with his hat. We're all captains of our own destiny. When we take control of our lives, when we stand, we live over God. Um, life is a ship and we're on the bridge at the helm captaining our own destiny but here's here's where it falls down it's it can lead to frustration we come to a to a pandemic or a lockdown like this and we might find ourselves saying oh, i'm so frustrated I, I thought christianity was going to provide me with all of the answers so i could just simply take control of my life and and life over god will lead to that frustration all right, that's, that's 
it in a nutshell. We'll explore it more in coming weeks. Life of under God, rather. Life under God. The word here um, is, is a contract. It's contractual. Um, we're treating God, life under God, treats life, God like a benevolent dictator. And now, this is most religions, probably, um, to be quite honest, where, where, where God is, is, you know, this, this kind of angry, uh, angry deity that needs to be appeased somehow. Um, within Christianity, of course, we, we have a version of this, and, and you might call it that version of Christianity that ends up in legalism and, and works. Well, after all, isn't life a contract? Doesn't God make all these sorts of promises to us, and all we have to do is our part? We simply do this and this and this and this and this, and it'll work. It'll work out. Um, it, it's, like a, it's, it's like a puppet, and here's the picture for this one, not a captain, but a puppet. It's like a puppet on a set of strings, except it's a live puppet. It's not a dead, dead, lifeless puppet. It's a live puppet. And, and after, you know, the picture is one of, in which case, you know, God firstly pulls the strings and, oh, okay, this is how it works. But after a while, we kind of, we kind of get the hang of this. And life under God, suddenly we, we start to work. I can also pull the strings. And if I pull the string here, oh, look, candy drops out. And if I pull the string here, up, oh, the favor of God drops out. Regardless, we're nothing more than a, than a, than a puppet. God is, a, is, is some sort of a puppeteer. And as long as we do his beckoning, he will act in certain ways. And so in a funny sort of a way, life under God ends up being life over God as well. And there is a sense of control. What happens when we live life under God? Well, there can be confusion. Again, when we, when we hit difficult times, even circumstances like this, we can, we can say to ourselves, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Well, what did I do wrong? If, if bad things are happening to my world and my life, then somehow I must not have appeased God. Uh, somehow I've, I've not responded to the strings okay, and now, now I'm all tangled up. What have I done wrong? Who sinned? Me? Somebody else? Somewhere we have, we have not appeased the angry God. And that is life under God. It's very, very contractual. Okay, life from God. Well, again, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a, in a couple of weeks. Life from God. I'm going to call this a pseudo-hedonism. Now, hedonism is, the, is the, that word we, we use for, for people who are just pleasure-seeking. Now, John Piper actually, I think correctly, comments that in one sense, there's a version of Christian hedonism where, where life's, life's not meant to be miserable. <laughs> actually, we, we are built to, to, to seek happiness, but our happiness is found in God. So that's why I call it a pseudo-hedonism, a, a kind of a pagan pleasure-seeking. But, but here's, here's the thing. It's all about, it's all about me. And my happiness, from a secular point of view, it's all about consumerism or materialism. But we also have um, uh, a religious version of that. The New Age movement promises that it is all about you and your fulfillment and, and enlightenment and so forth. But in Christian circles, we have a version of this too. And sometimes at its nth degree, we might call it a prosperity doctrine. Um, and so that goes wrong. The, the image here, we've got the captain, we've got the puppet. The image here is, is, is a cat. Um, 
uh, somebody years ago def defined the difference between you know cat and dog theology this way um uh, you feed dogs you pet dogs you look after dogs you you um uh, take care of them and so forth and and the dog says to themselves wow <laughs> look at the way you take care care of me this is amazing you're like a god you must be god you feed cats you you, you unknot their hair, you look after the cats, clean up after them and so forth. And the cat thinks, oh, look at all that you do for me. This is incredible. I must be God. Um, so life from God is, is, is kind of the picture there is of a cat. All of a sudden, we're the most important one in this, in this whole arrangement. And, and it can lead to disappointment. It can lead to us asking the question, what's... What secret have I missed? God is supposed to be looking after me, making me happy, pouring out candy on my life. Why doesn't this work for me? What secret am I missing? Because it certainly works for all of those other people on television who, you know, are doing this and that and, 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 and just claim that God has done all of these wonderful things for me. You just have to have faith. What am I missing? What's the secret here that I've got to unlock so that, that life will be beer and Skittles? That's life from God. And then lastly, life for God. That's on the other side of the rectangle. And, and the key word here is significance. So life over God, the key word was control, and the picture was captains. Life under God, the, the key word was a contract, and the picture was puppets. Life from God, the key word was pseudo-hedonism. That's just a little one. But the picture, the picture there was cats. And life for God, the key word is significance, and the picture is a busy bee. People who live life for God get caught up in causes, works that validate who they are. Um, I guess at a at a secular level, you know, not thinking Christianity, that that would be the, the a cause culture, always chasing a cause to to do what's right and be validated in some way. But within Christianity, we have a version of this too. And I gotta say, probably of these ones, if I've had a life, kind of a lifelong struggle, I find myself over here. Many evangelicals do actually, life for God. Activism, the things that I will do for God, the ministry that I will do for God. Now, there's a world full of needs and God wants us to fix it for him. That's kind of the mentality. I, I saw this a lot in my mission days, firstly in myself, and then as I used to interview candidates for mission, I would on, often push into this area just, just to check, is this, is this about activism, pleasing God, life, life for God? The picture is of a busy bee, busy, 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 busy all the time, spending, in fact, exhausting its life, doing things for, for God. And this can lead to disillusionment. It can lead to an increased insecurity because it's also meaningless. We have no value apart from what we do. And think about the current situation and all the ministries we're involved in or not. Do we still have value to God? I remember a friend of mine one day coming to a place where he said, um, it was Chip, Chip Kirk, actually, who's, who's been with us on, on many occasions. And, and Chip said to me, you know, Stuart, I really have just come to that place in life. 
and he's a good speaker, but where I could put the speaking aside, I could put the ministry aside. And if, if all God asked me to do was sit in a corner and face the wall and worship him, I'd be content with that. <laughs> and I stared at, stared at Chip and I thought, I wish you hadn't have said that. I've got a feeling I'm going to learn that lesson now. <laughs> but are we content when there's no way to validate our worth for God? Are we content to just be children of the Father, just worshippers? Well, that'll be a good one to explore, won't it, when we get to that week, life for God. It's about significance, but it's the busy bee. So in a nutshell, what, what is God asking and putting before us? What's the invitation over the next few weeks? It's simply this. To recognise those deviations from what it is that God is inviting us to truly enjoy life with him, intimacy with him, relationship with him, entering into that all-encompassing embrace of your heavenly father to know what it is to cross the road with god to look up at him and say you've got my hand haven't you i'm going to stay close to you i know you can see things that i can't see but i feel okay when i'm with you i do not have to do this by myself i want to be with you daddy that's the heart that's the invitation that's what god is in inviting us to enjoy I think you've heard me say this before, but for in, in the Greek, the word with is, can also be translated as in, in or, or with. In Colossians 1.27, Paul, writing to the Colossians, explains the good news this way. He says, the good news of God is this. It's Christ in you, with you. It's Christ in you. Now, that is your hope of glory. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes it this way. If anyone is in Christ, well, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so interchangeably, sometimes Paul and other writers in the New Testament will talk about life in Christ or Christ in you. Both are true. Sometimes at a baptism, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this and use the illustration of the sponge in water. Back in the old days where we would we'd wash our car with a, with a bucket of water and a sponge, we get that big old sponge, we dip it into the water and it comes out dripping saturated with water. Well, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because is the, is the, <laughs> a sponge is virtually nothing, right? When it's been dipped and squeezed and, and, and comes out dripping wet, is the water in the sponge or is the sponge in the water? Well, both are true, aren't they? And when we accept Christ as our saviour, he enters into our lives and it's like we get dipped into God. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Both are true. We are now saturated with his presence through his Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. That's life with God. God is always present with us. But sometimes because of this faulty thinking, we do not always press into being present with God. We miss out on, on the richness of life, life with God. But the reassurance is, and what we're going to explore over the next few weeks, 
is that he's here to help us cross the road. He is always with us. He's always with us. I wonder if you'd like to like just close your eyes and, and let us let me pray for us all as we um as we explore these these themes over the coming weeks and what it means to have life with God. I'm going to put it into the first person, but you make these words yours if it's meaningful for you. Lord, I've I've seen enough of the world to know I cannot do the Christian life alone. I confess I'm at the end of myself or near enough to recognise my need of you. What keeps me from true intimacy is complex. I need you to help me. Today, I express my willingness to journey with you wherever that journey goes, knowing that my hand in yours is the place that I really desire to be. I invite you to help me to tackle with no mercy <laughs> every idol and distraction, every barrier, every hurt, every addiction, every pain, every obstacle, whatever that might be, that stands in the way of life with you. Simply put, I invite your presence to fall upon my life like never before. Come, Lord Jesus, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. Lead me, lead me forward in life with you. Amen. We've got a song now, which is um, very, very fitting. Um, and um, it was one of... Um, it was one of a favourite by Brett Whittleton. And uh, so it's so a little bit of a throwback here, but um, but he's going to sing one of um, a song which is known to us all. There was another in the fire. And it's just a reminder that whatever it is that is coming our way, we're not alone. Thanks, guys. <laughs>